Hey, what is going on everyone? It's me, Mr. Mario, and welcome back to another episode of Mod Chat. For anybody who does not know, this is a podcast that I do at least monthly here on the Mr. Mario 2011 YouTube channel, as well as on major podcasting platforms. Simply go to your favorite podcasting application or website, look up Mod Chat, all one word, and if you want it on the go or just in an audio-only format like a podcast, you should hopefully be able to find it there. Now, Mod Chat is a series I like to do in which I find different pieces of news, different developments, things like that related to the modding scene all across the board, and I like to present them to you all as well as give my opinions on a few things. As a heads up, I mean, this is never a thing that is going to be breaking news by any means, but it's just something I like to do and go over here for you all. So as opposed to the last episode where I just went over one big topic, it looks like we're going to be going over several different topics here, and it's going to be a pretty wide range of things as well too. So Without further ado, let's go ahead and just jump into what we're looking at. The very first thing here is actually somewhat continuing off of what we had seen in regards to the last episode. And for anybody who has not seen the previous episode of Mod Chat, it was talking about the possible fall of Team Executor. A very quick, concise way I could describe it there is allegedly three key members of Team Executor were arrested and they have a federal indictment against them and it just shows a lot of companies and different modding teams and products and such that they all uh, allegedly had a part in so that was what the previous episode was about i'm not going to go into it here just because i had an entire episode about it prior which i would recommend checking out but this is actually going to be in regards to the sx core and sx light chips for the switch in case you do not know these are two internal solutions which currently work on every single revision of the Nintendo Switch. So as opposed to relying on a web-based exploit or Fuse Jelly, uh, you're able to use the SX Core in every single regular Switch, and you can use the SX Lite in every single Switch Lite. Now, earlier in October, it ended up just kind of going through here. Uh, this is kind of going to go over my head a little bit, but uh, one user on Twitter, I'm not going to try and pronounce their full name on here but their username is horak341 had said hello enjoy cve-2020-15808 for st microelectronics no response to patch it cdc usb class is vulnerable for buffer overflow via rec greater than w length pointer and allows to read up to 65 kilobytes of memory by crafting a special usb descriptor message impacted entire series. Now, the reason why this is important is because uh, this was October 2nd, where at least this user had ended up saying this on Twitter. Funny enough, and coincidentally, this is also the same day that that indictment was unsealed against Team Executor members, so that is when we found out about that news. But if we take a look at Mike Heskin, or Hexkey's tweet right here on October 8th, just a few days after, he said, after stumbling upon this tweet, we were able to use this bug to dump the gateway slash team executor mod chips firmware. It is important to remember that this is the exact same issue that led to Fuse Jelly slash Shoff L2, I believe that's how you say it, but on a different USB stack, meaning this might be even more widespread. Since the mod chip uses a GD32, this was hardly unexpected as those are straight up clones of STM32. 
Nonetheless, I believe this demonstrates how this bug may be affecting way more devices than we thought. While the DRM imposed by the mod chip was already bypassed months ago, the mod chip's firmware remained impossible to dump without glitching. And yes, I do realize Gateway's mod chip being affected by this particular bug is irony at its finest. Top quality meme material even. So first of all, with the exploit itself, this is an exploit that much like Fuse Jelly, what we saw, it's not just going to only impact the Nintendo Switch. It's going to impact anything that's going to run anything similar on there. So as that was a Tegra boot ROM bug, that's why it was disclosed to the proper the proper places because it affected, you know, Nvidia's devices, it affected the Nintendo Switch, it even affected, you know, things as big as the infotainment system on Tesla vehicles. So it was something that really needed to get patched up on there. Now, in regards to what we're seeing here, this is again another widespread bug which does impact the chips themselves right here. Now, why are we talking about this? Well, it looks like the chips, the actual SX Core and SX Lite chips, there is at least updatable firmware out there for them, and people have disassembled the chips from what I see, like physically, and they know how they work. However, even if you do clone the actual hardware, you still need the firmware to get everything working, and at this point, using this bug, the chip's firmware was able to get dumped. So essentially that means that people could either create their, I guess long term on here, in theory they could create their own clone chips or they can use this to create different kinds of chips because it's more seen how it's working on here. One example I'm thinking of, which this is actually more towards the original Xbox, is the Executor 3 mod chip. Now this mod chip, we had had bios of it available, we had had... Uh, what else was there? People had fully reverse engineered the hardware, to my knowledge. Like, you could go out, you could clone the hardware, that was all good. The problem for so long was the actual firmware itself. Uh, the firmware was encrypted, and nobody was able to dump it successfully, so it needed to be reverse engineered. And I was told multiple times by different people who are smarter than me in this, that you can clone the hardware, but if you don't have that firmware, the hardware is completely useless. And from what I know, pretty recently, the firmware was able to get reverse engineered and was able to get dumped. So now at that point, hopefully even, I mean, there's still executor stuff, but maybe we can see clone stuff of that or open source stuff of that as well, too. So it's kind of on the same length here as well. This is really important as well, too, just because, I mean, love or hate Team Executor, they are the only ones that had a solution that you could readily pick up that worked on every single Nintendo Switch. So I'm not sure what will fully come of this, when it will come, what shape or size or whatever we're going to see this in. Uh, but I mean, this is cool nonetheless. Perfect timing as well. Next up, we're going to be talking about another thing related to the Switch, which this makes me incredibly happy. Now, it doesn't look like there's all too much here on this GitHub page, but this is for RE3NX, which short and sweet is a GTA 3 decompilation ported to the Nintendo Switch. 
And for anybody who does not know, that is Grand Theft Auto 3. And further, for anyone who does not know, this is my all-time favorite game ever, ever, ever. So this is a very big deal to me. <laughs> Talking about it here, it said, The aim of this project is to reverse Grand Theft Auto 3 for PC by replacing parts of the game one by one such that we have a working game at all times. Now, it does require you to actually own and purchase a copy of Grand Theft Auto 3 for PC. The Steam version works just fine, but this is another really awesome decompilation project, and much like we've seen with Super Mario 64, guess what? People are taking this decomp project from PC and they're porting it to other systems, such as RE3NX for the Switch. Now you can go over to releases right here, and this is from A Grabber. He's been the one who released this and maintained it, and he's been doing a really awesome job just, you know, releasing several other updates for this as well, too. Now, I have actually, this hits even closer to home as well, too, because I actually played this. And I mean, not just like played it, like I, I have, you know, a custom firmware switch I played on here. I finished it. I finished it from start to finish. I was using precisely the uh, September 24th, 2020 build. And I will say it was a little bit of an exercise in patience uh, because it kept crashing. So if you're going to play it, I recommend you save very, very often. But I got, I mean, like I... I'm just smiling because I love the Nintendo Switch. This is one of my favorite systems now at this point. Yes, despite all the little issues I've had with it and all the times I've had to send it off, all right? We're not going to talk about that. But this is one of my favorite systems, and I have my all-time favorite game on one of my favorite systems. And, uh, I mean, in short, it's just... It's just the ultimate pooping companion to me at this point. Now, I do want to say I'm not going to give a ton of detail as to my full experience on this uh, because kind of a little bit of a spoiler alert on here. I actually do plan to have a review for this coming up. It's going to be on a bit of an older build, uh, but I am going to show, you know, some gameplay, my experience setting it up and just, you know, my overall thoughts on this. It's something new I'm going to be trying to do. So if you're interested in that, please let me know. But it's probably going to be coming out after this episode of Mod Chat, unless my schedule ends up changing on here. But yeah, I have I'm going to have a review dedicated to this build of Grand Theft Auto 3. So it'll be awesome to see I'm, I'm i'm hoping so at least but i i absolutely loved seeing it on the switch here it, it makes me happy all right it makes me way too happy but guess what it doesn't stop there of course it doesn't stop there because re3 vita was released in a collaboration by the flow and Rene Gattamante, I believe that's how you say their name. Now, both these two are very well-known people in the Vita modding community. Uh, if you've used their applications, if you you know what, if you have a modified Vita, chances are you probably have to thank the flow for that. However, just checking out this post right here, this is RE3 Vita, of course, and it's stated here, RE3 Vita is a port of RE3, which the original, you know, the original source is there, a fully reverse engineered re-implementation of Grand Theft Auto 3 using LibRW, a full and open source re-implementation of Renderware Graphics Engine. And just like we saw with RE3NX, RE3 Vita allows you to play Grand Theft Auto 3 on a PS Vita or PS TV after providing the game files from your own copy of the game, which you do have to, again, purchase and bring your own copy of Grand Theft Auto 3 for PC. Now with this, it looks like they do have, you know, installation instructions on here. They have some suggested settings and there are known issues as well too, because this is a completely, you know, reverse engineered endeavor on this is all clean room. And the original RE3 
repository here i mean this is still actively being worked on so as time progresses further and further and there's more work done to this uh, these other ports are going to get even better as long as they're still maintained so i have no doubt that these known issues we're seeing are going to get even better as time goes on uh, but this is you know what this is so cool. This is just another system that we can play this on. I will admit, uh, I got my buddy, the Vita, right here. I, I have not tried it on Vita or PSTV yet. Um, but, you know... <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to say, respectfully, seeing this port slightly annoyed me, and that's not that's not to bash anyone on here. I'm going to explain it, alright? It annoyed me because... I have, I keep buying other games, other new games, and then Grand Theft Auto 3 for Switch came out, and I just stuck to that for days, and I finished it, and I was really happy, and right as I finished it up, RE3 Vita came out, so I just looked, I'm like, you know, I like the Vita, I love Grand Theft Auto 3, am I really gonna have to go back and play this again? The, the answer's probably going to be yes, alright? If it's Grand, if you put Grand Theft Auto 3 in front of me, I'm going to be playing the hell out of it, so... We're going to become acquainted again, alright? It's Vita time. Before we move completely off of this as well too, Grand Theft Auto Vice City actually started getting ported over as well. This was from Flex1911, who was working on this, and I believe the repository was RE3VC. No, it was REVC, that's what it was. Uh, the reason why I'm not really showing it here in particular is because, uh, for two reasons. One of them, I actually did try REVC, and it was extremely buggy, crashing quite a bit, which is to be expected. The other issue you run into now is that it looks like, and I, I'm going to use my words carefully because I don't want anyone to get confused, um, but it, the, the repo is not available anymore. Like, as you can see, like right here, somebody had ended up linking this, and if I click it, it just brings me to Flex1911's GitHub repository for RE3, and it's giving us a 404. Now, it was not DMCA'd, it was not removed forcefully, it was not taken down, it just looks like the author, for whatever reason, removed this repository, and I don't know why. Maybe because it was really buggy and they didn't want to maintain it further. That's speculation on my part. I have no idea on that. Um, but for whatever reason, the original RE3, REVC repository that we were pulling from uh, is not there. That's all I know. But guess what? Just like Grand Theft Auto 3, it is also being worked on on Vita. So there is still being work on it. It's not like it completely ceased, mind you, and it's not like only one person is allowed to work on it here, but Grand Theft Auto Vice City, right here as of, as of November 3rd, it stated here, ta some tackling for what concerning stuttering issues and freezes has been done, hopefully temporary solutions. The main issue seems to be related to audio decoding happens on main thread. With this temp solution, we can get solved frame rate on Grand Theft Auto Vice City, 30 to 40 frames per second. That's awesome. That's real cool. So we're even going to see Vice City here on the Vita. Now, it's not all too often that I get to talk about the Dreamcast on here. So, you know, we're going to talk about the Dreamcast and there's going to be kind of some prefacing and such on here. Some things I actually had to crash course and learn about. And uh, this post in particular, I am going to say if there's some stuff that is a little bit iffy in terms of reading it, it's because this post was originally made in Spanish and I'm using Google to translate it to English, Google Chrome. Uh, so just keep that in mind. But here, I'm just going to grab some snippets of this post 
used here, which is a Thomas Wave in Dreamcast reporting a discovery. So this user, Ro Mangus Larson, ended up stating here, I have decided to publish on several sites a summary of what has happened recently regarding this great community discovery from which the Dreamcast console is about 10 years ahead, since from now on, games from the arcade, a Thomas Wave board, can be played on the console. How? Yes, that simple as if it were a Neo Geo. I published this with the intention that certain truths about this issue are disclosed and from which more news may emerge, not only about games, but also about the movements and the companies involved. Well, what is a Thomas Wave? What is a port? What does this new mean for users of the Sega Dreamcast console? I hope it serves all the enthusiasts of this fabulous console launched by Sega. Now, this is a great read here, but in short, this all really started from a developer kit that was purchased and it was believed to be broken. And there was a gentleman, I believe by the name of Brian here, who purchased it. And in his words, he said, I bought the dev kit on eBay at the beginning of this year, 2020. It was not labeled as development or prototype, but it was obvious that it was. It was published as untested and no screen activity and faulty font, but even after changing it, you still get a black screen. It seems to only work if you manually boot it from within the Dreamcast Tools utility of the Katana SDK. It keeps saying, I can only boot the game, Ranger Mission, which recognizes the joysticks of the Dreamcast and says that one of the most important things about this discovery is that it is related to a game called Chicago 1929 Files, which as I said before, was never released to the market. So I know I'm kind of jumping around a little bit here, but we're looking at this dev kit. Yeah, it had some unreleased game on it. That's already exciting, but what is the deal with this? What is going on with this kit? Well, let's just go ahead and go down here, because I'm going to have to explain what a Thomas Wave is. Now, it's stated a Thomas Wave is an arcade board or console, if you prefer, but not home, that was developed in 2002 in association with Sammy just after the discontinuation of the Dreamcast home console. Due to financial problems, the Sega company is legally associated with another called Sammy, henceforth Sega Sammy, and begins to dedicate itself now to develop exclusively arcade games with this Atomus Wave and to make some exclusive home versions for active consoles of other brands like the Xbox 360, PS3, and Nintendo DS2. Wonder if that, I wonder what they're referencing there. But either way, maybe 3DS. So this is asking here, why is this a discovery? And getting into this, it stated, development kits are secret hardware and software that development companies handle only internally and that are not shared with the public as they are instrument for developing their games. Probably instrumental, but the, for, so this can be exciting for users interested in both the Dreamcast and Thomas Wave systems. Why? Because from this seemingly useless white cabinet, which looks like that already published Dreamcast dev kit, but with a label that says System X on the Dreamcast logo, direct ports can be made to Dreamcast since Atomus Wave and Dreamcast have the same capabilities. In fact, the Metal Slug 6 2006 SNK Playmore port was already made. After a thorough review of this dev kit System X, the user who purchased it, Brian Hargrove, has deduced that it is quite clear that it is a Dreamcast development unit converted to an Atomus Wave development unit, 
contrary to what was published all these years ago and what appears in Wikipedia, that the Atomus wave was based on the Sega Naomi of superior characteristics. This does not seem to be true, but we are talking about the same hardware from which both Dreamcast and later Atomus Wave games have been developed, although the strongest evidence for this is the dev kit itself, which is supported by the fact that the Atomus Wave has the same technical characteristics as the Dreamcast, as we can see below. So even if you're not fully understanding this, that's fine, but essentially what this is meaning here is that Dreamcast hardware was converted over to Atomus Wave hardware, but they're pretty much about the same. Dreamcast is the home console. Atomus Wave is the arcade hardware right there, which we've seen that multiple times before. We've seen it with the original Xbox. We've seen it with the GameCube. And the names are escaping me on those, but there are several different game consoles that were repurposed, so to speak, for arcade hardware. It's, it's nothing new. We've seen it several times. Now, the cool thing about this is that technically, any games, it's not going to be like a super simple thing, mind you, but technically, any games that are Atomus Wave games could be converted back to Dreamcast games. I mean, they were never Dreamcast games to begin with, but what, since it's the same hardware, they can be converted to run on retail Dreamcasts which is awesome to see. And we've actually already seen some ports that have been released publicly as well too. For example, this user Megavolt85 has been able to port Metal Slug 6 over to the Dreamcast. Now it is noted here that you can use a standard controller or an arcade stick. It is a two player game if you want to do that. Uh, however, uh, there's some notes here where it says warning, game don't work with SD adapter and CDR. So I'd actually spoken with someone who said they were having a lot of issues running this on their GDMU, which would certainly make sense. And it was a legitimate one as well, too. But what confuses me is when it says CDR. So I'm sitting here like, how the hell are we supposed to even play this properly on retail hardware? Um, I, I'm sure it can get fixed up, but it, it's stating here, at least with the latest update, uh, there were some errors in code that were fixed. They enabled red blood because this game was technically censored, so it didn't have red blood. They enabled auto fire and they added a pause option. But it's also saying here, I guess for GDMU, for official GDMU with the new software, need add image underscore tests equals zero into your GDMU.ini. So actually... Maybe with this flag, it will work on GDMU, but this is literally talking about the SD adapter, which you plug into the serial port on the back of the console. We also ended up getting King of Fighters 11, which is cool too. Again, from the Atomus Wave, it's one or two players. You can use an arcade stick or a standard controller. And let's see, command, well, yeah, this is just a command if you want to run this on here, but there's not too much else on this. Now, I do also want to point us to the Wikipedia article for Atomus Wave because it covers what we were looking at, you know, saying it's a custom arcade board and cabinet from Sammy Corporation, and it's based off of the Sega Naomi system board. So we already knew about that, and we now believe, there's reason to believe that's that's actually incorrect. It's based on the Sega Dreamcast, so to speak, there. However, I want to direct you all to the games, and these are the, you know, decent handful of games that came out on the Atomus Wave. And it looks like games were releasing from 2003 all the way up to, when was the last one I saw? 2009 actually seems to be the latest one, which is Sega Bass Fishing Challenge. So looking at this here, we already have Metal Slug 6, which has now been ported to the Dreamcast, and we now have The King of Fighters 11, which has been ported to the Dreamcast. So... In theory, again, in theory, any of the games that you're seeing on this list could 
most likely technically be ported to Dreamcast, which is really awesome to see. There's also, I didn't even see this until now, but yeah, there's uh, these five unreleased games, and yep, Chase 1929, indeed, that one was pointed out on there, and it seemed to be the dev kit for that, so there's these other five games as well, too. I mean, <laughs> I, I still love seeing the Dreamcast get all this love, even in 2020. Since we're going back to older systems here, I did want to point this out. This was actually posted on PlayStation Hacks, and Gregory Rasputin said here, this is for New Rose, a new debugger for the original PlayStation. And it says, developer Yusuf Selick, I believe that's how you say his name, has released a debugger for the PlayStation 1. So we have one of these really cool looking original PlayStation dev kits here. And if you know what a debugger is or why you would use this software, then there isn't a lot I need to explain. For others, this helps you test homebrew code. Here's a video of the developer using this application, which is really awesome to see here. And there's a few GitHub links. So from the actual GitHub pages for New Rose, first of all, we have here a PlayStation debugger. In this repo, you'll find a .exe file, PlayStation executable, and ISO that contains the New Rose PlayStation debugger. It is a debugger I have written that will enable you to launch and test PlayStation code ELF via modern machines. To use this debugger, you must have a PlayStation with a cart, such as an Action Replay or Explorer, that'd be one of those parallel I.O. cartridges, to which you can directly upload the EXE file, or a modded PlayStation on which you can run the burned ISO file, a serial to USB cable from the PlayStation to your dev machine, I believe this is mipsol-unknown-elf-gdb installed, as well as the new Rose GDB server, which is available here. Now he's got a video showing the debugger, and he also has here new Rose by using native debug extension and visual code. So this is all, this is awesome. I mean, this is just, this is just bringing old stuff to new stuff and combining it. This is, I love this. This is so great. <laughs> Now for the Neurose PSX debugger repository, it's stated here, uh, PlayStation GDB debugger proxy written in Go. This is the Neurose server that needs to run for GDB to be able to talk with the PlayStation. To install, just check out the project and type go install. Obviously, you first need to have Golang installed here. Afterwards, you can specify a device slash com port serial to PlayStation and launch the debugger server. So yeah, if anybody out there really wants to mess around with original PlayStation development and get their hands dirty with this, but on a newer software setup and, you know, just newer modern computer, it's all right here. And this is fantastic. This is just... Man, this is awesome. I love seeing stuff like this. Now, speaking of some cool stuff, this is in regards to RPCS3, and check this out. As you can see on screen, it says here Demon Souls is now playable online using RPCS3, and this is utilizing something called RPCN, which in short is supposed to be a PlayStation Network emulator, so to speak, only for RPCS3. So this means, again, if you're using the RPCS3 emulator on your PC, which for anyone who does not know, that is a PlayStation 3 emulator for PC. I believe it works on Windows, Mac OS, as well as Linux. So you can set it up, you can load your firmware you need on there, you can play your games. And now for, you know, per game support needs to be added. But at this point, if you have a game that is enabled for that support, you can then use RPCN 
to load up that game and play online with other RPCN users, which would be people who are playing over RPCS3. So that's one thing you don't have to you don't have to charge for it. You don't have to do any of that fun stuff there, and it's only going to be limited between RPCS3 users. So the PSN environment is not going to be getting touched in regards to this. There is some more information available down here in the description, which is stating here, no, your eyes aren't deceiving you. Over the past year, developer Galsiv has been working on a private PSN server replacement called RPCN. This is a free and open source private server that can act as PSN written in Rust. This server code, along with the hefty amount of improvements made to RPCS3, enables users to play in multiplayer and co-op modes in games that don't require a custom server in addition to PSN or already have one. One such example for the latter would be Demon Souls, which now fully works in multiplayer with RPCN as the private PSN server and DSSE by YMGVE as the private DES custom server with every feature intact. Should be noted, however, that RPCN is far from being finished yet, so only a very small number of games work at the moment. In our current testing, Barman Ultra and Demon Souls are the only ones that work liably, but hopefully the community will discover others that work well too. Admittedly, I've actually never dabbled in PlayStation 3 emulation. However, seeing stuff like this, like, I'm just looking, this game looks amazing on here, but just like seeing stuff like this really makes me want to fire it up. I actually, you know, thinking about it, I haven't fired up, <laughs> funny enough, I haven't fired up any emulators for the 7th generation of consoles. I've never tried Wii emulation, I've never tried Xbox 360 or even PS3 emulation outside of the official options, like for example, VWii on the Wii U, or uh, what's the other one? Um, I guess Xbox 360 games on Xbox One. Those are the only two I've really tried, so I really need to try these more open source like applications and methods here just to see how far they've come. Now, kind of on a whim, I almost thought about omitting this, but I figured because I slightly referenced it, I, I might as well bring this up here. This is actually in regards to the Yuzu emulator, and this has been covered already a few times. For anybody who does not know, Yuzu is again another emulator that is actually for the Switch and seems to be pretty solid in regards to not only homebrew but even even retail games as well too. Uh, it does not seem to have been taken down or anything. It's completely open source and such. Uh, and they do have a Patreon which is open. However, this is something that was announced and then very quickly backtracked. So they also introduced online support as well too. And in the original story, it's actually mentioned right here. Yes, you read that right. Yuzu now has beta support for online services by leveraging Raptor Network. Raptor Network is a replacement for Nintendo Online Services, which Yuzu has partnered with to deliver this service to you. Now, it looks like the only games that were in their testing phase were, well, publicly available, were Super Mario Maker 2 and Super Mario Odyssey. And it's stated here in Super Mario Maker 2, you can upload and share custom levels with others while in Super Mario Odyssey, you can play hide and seek in Luigi's Balloon World or share high scores in mini games on the leaderboards. Reverse engineering new games is an arduous task, but the service is in continuous development, so keep your eyes peeled for future updates. Raptor Network also allows you to set a nickname and profile image, which is used to identify you in games. In addition to this, it allows you to friend other people across the internet, so you can then interact with your friends and support games, such as viewing courses made by them in Super Mario Maker 2. So really, this was a Yuzu, you know, PC-exclusive Yuzu Nintendo Switch emulator 
Nintendo Switch Online replacement or alternative or whatever it is. That that, that was a lot to say on there. Um, but they ended up releasing this. And there was never a, at least publicly, we don't know of a legal notice or anything with this, uh, but very quickly, the next day, they actually backtracked, and I'm going to read exactly what they said here. From their Twitter, they say, We are saddened to reports that we have removed online support from Yuzu indefinitely and effective immediately. We apologize to our community for the confusion and disappointment surrounding this release, and especially to those who were excited to try this feature. We have received valid and insightful feedback from our fans and members on the broader Switch and emulation communities. Truthfully, we are all just a bunch of enthusiastic people from around the globe who are genuinely excited about something we thought we could offer. In hindsight, we 100% understand your concerns. As always, we will continue working on other features and improvements within Yuzu to make it the best emulator we possibly can. Thank you to everyone who has continued to support us, provided us feedback, and been open to constructive criticism on this topic. Now, as always, we value your opinions. Now, maybe I can be corrected on this if I am incorrect in saying this here, and I apologize if I'm incorrect, but at least from what I knew on there, this was going to be an option that you would get access to if you contributed to their Patreon. And I think that's one big, th th there's two things about it. Uh, one of them is that this is a current generation system. So even if they were trying to play by all the rules and such, I'm sure this would have gotten shut down extremely quickly, unfortunately, like the entire Yuzu project. The second thing is, if they are saying, hey, you have to contribute to our Patreon in order to get access to this, that is looked at as indirectly selling this service, which is supposed to be a alternative to another paid service from Nintendo, Nintendo Switch Online. <laughs> That's not going to make them happy either. I'm just going to be honest. So I think not. This is cool. I applaud the effort. I get it. Like, this is not an easy thing to do. I really do applaud that. Um, but it certainly wasn't smart to implement at least this early on and currently into the generation and i am happy to see that at least the community kind of not only they listened to the community but the community was the people who came out and said like no 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 we look we we want yuzu we we like the project but what you're doing this is really dangerous to the project as a whole no no we we don't need online support it's fine uh so maybe like you know in a few years well they're saying it's indefinite on here but I honestly think at, at some point, like years and years into the future, when the Switch is barely supported or not supported at all, we're probably going to have services set up like this. It just, the big thing is, it, it just really can't be current generation. If it's going to be current generation, you're really playing much more of a dangerous game there. Now, the very last thing I want to cover is I've been trying to, and I've missed a few times, I try and cover something that I just think is like really cool or just kind of different, but related to the modding scene or even just something funny. But this, I think, is just wholesome as all hell and really cool, too. Now, this is called, uh, I've never said this name out loud. Come on. Barulandia. That's what it is. I hope I said it right. This is for the PlayStation 3. This is an actual piece of homebrew for PS3. And this is a painting game by JMGK. Now, it's stated here by STL Cards WS. Here is some new development on the PS3 with a new project by developer JMGK Card called Barulandia. 
It's a painting game that has been ported to the PS3 for use on custom firmware or PS3 HIN. The project is written in C, utilizing the Open SDK on PS3 known as PS Lite, plus SDL 1.3. The project's source code is hosted at GitHub, and you can check it out here. This is a great game for that young member of the household picking up a controller and wanting to allow for some creativity. This homebrew is like a virtual coloring book, where you can add objects from some images provided already and choose your custom colors and simply point to colorize your picks. Might not be the most enjoyable thing, but if you need a few spare moments to keep the young ones occupied while they are exercising some creativity, Barulandia might be a great game for your PS3. And I would agree, I think this is a great game, especially since, I mean, this is a true homebrew game right here, even if it's a port. So we got this here, that's a press start screen. I personally don't have any type of creativity inside of me, so I have not attempted this at all. But uh, hey, I mean, these these look good so far. This is awesome. <laughs> it's also stated from the developer here, I did a port of my painting game, Barulandia, maybe Noiseland in English, that I made for a children's book written by my wife. There's an HTML version here and an Android version available here. It can be found over here for Barlandia, at least for the PS3. And we said here it's written in C using PS Lite and SDL 1.3. Now, there's also been a version 2 update, which actually uses SDL 2 as opposed to SDL 1.3. And it states here it's functionally equivalent to previous versions, but for SDL 2, faster and better coded. Music, in-game help, and exit confirmation are next steps. So yeah, this is something, I mean, if anybody is looking for a piece of, like, actual homebrew for the PS3 in a homebrew game, there you go, Barulandia. Maybe, uh, maybe you can really exercise that creative side. Alright, and you know what, my coffee is pretty much out at this point, so I, I think this is a good way to wrap up Mod Chat. Anyways, I hope you all enjoyed this episode of Mod Chat. Let me know what you all thought of it. And I need to use a keyword of some kind, don't I? Because I've forgotten that a few times. How about card? And I'm saying that because I keep like seeing, I have like literally on the side here, like all these like little, <laughs> uh, what the hell are these? Magic stick, like magic gate, but no, no. Memory stick duos and memory stick pro duos and adapters and stuff with like micro SD cards. I just have like flash storage all over the place here. Uh, but if you use the word card in the comment of your YouTube comment, yeah, I'd use that to coffee kick in harder, all right? If you leave a comment on the YouTube upload of this using the word card, I will know you made it to the end of this episode of Mod Chat. Anyways, that's about it for this episode here. This is Mr. Mario signing off. Thank you all for listening and watching, everyone. And until next time.